0: how do you scale your business? Well, the answer is you build a team typically. And next thing you know, you've got a scaled business that's also probably diversified in the event of any changes in the marketplace. COVID changed the mentality of how we work. What is my goal in business? What should that look like in order to create great success? Welcome to Start With a Win, where we unpack franchising, leadership, and business growth. Let's go. What kind of questions does a great real estate coach ask you? Today, I'm on the Randy Bird podcast with Coach Randy Bird. It's Adam Contos coming to you from Area 15 Ventures and Start With a Win headquarters. Let's get right into this podcast. Randy asked me some great questions about myself, the industry, how I got to where I am, as well as some leadership advice and talking about a great book. Let's get right into it.
1: Thanks for having me on your podcast, Randy. Welcome to the show. Like a boss, I'm really, really excited to have our guest today, Adam Contos. He and I go way back and he didn't know it. Um, but Adam, welcome to the show today. Thank you for being here today. Thanks, Randy. It's great to see you. Great to see you. And I know we connected a couple of weeks ago and I immediately was drawn to you and your story and, and I'd love to have you on the podcast. So thanks for doing that with us. We really appreciate it. And, um, you know, what, what we love about this, and I put in here, former CEO of REMAX, Serial Entrepreneur and Business Advocate, straight from your Instagram, couldn't have said it better, honestly. And when we chatted, Adam, we talked about a couple topics that I think would be really, really good for the audience today. And for the most part. There's a lot of moving parts going on in the industry right now, but I want to highlight you for a minute, if that's okay. And I, I'd like you to brag. I'm asking you, I'm begging you to brag on yourself a little bit. I know you to be a humble human being, but you know, I want to take you through some of that and and the listeners through some of the experiences that you've been through. And, and we met back in, I believe it was 2004. And I was with a uh, co-banker for a very short few months. And then I went to Remax, loved that brand and got to meet you and Dave Linegar and some of the others through that Remax journey. And um, that was 20 years ago. Man. You know, years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and so you've been in the business for a while, but if you could, why don't you take the listeners through a little journey of what your background is as far as it relates to real estate. And then you became the CEO of Remax, one of the behemoths in the real estate space. And uh, we'd love to share that and, and get that from you. Sure. So I mean, my, you know, Remax is my second career.
0: My first career, I was in law enforcement. I was uh I worked undercover a couple of years selling narcotics every day. So I I looked the part and everything like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was a great drug dealer. In fact, Randy, this plays into real estate because that's where I learned sales. And I actually taught a class called Narc Marketing. And how do you go out and, and, and think about this as a real estate agent, how do you go out and meet people that you don't know, earn their trust and confidence, and then do a life-changing deal with them? Wow. And that's really what work in narcotics was. So I, I actually, I went to the DEA uh, narcotics investigator school and I learned sales that way. They would just drop us on a street corner and say, go find somebody and meet them. And we would go do that and try and buy drugs. But, um, you know, I, the I grew hope up in law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a good time. But um the uh, I, I grew up in law enforcement. I ended up becoming a SWAT team commander, which has a lot of strategy, you know, the chessboard type environment, which really is what business is about also. Is it's a chessboard. Yeah. And I I started a couple of businesses. I started an online business in the late 90s when the internet was a baby. And uh, it was a little difficult to sell things during that time, but it was a lot of fun. It was a great learning experience for me. And then I started a consulting business doing security and safety consulting. I was a counterterrorism instructor and Homeland Security instructor. Hmm. So um, I actually created a real estate agent safety program called SAFER, Safety That's right. Awareness for S-A-N-S-B-R, Every Realtor.
1: S-A-N-B-R, I remember that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, That, that was your baby, pretty...
1: you created that?
0: Yeah, that was mine. I, I built that 100%. Wow. And uh, worked with Remax and some of the other brands and uh, women's council realtors and NAR and things like that on it. It was a lot of fun. Actually had realtors come up to me and say, you saved my life, which was really cool to hear that. So um, yeah, I mean, it touches you right in the heart, man.
1: How you <laughs> you just, like.
0: Yeah, totally. I didn't know that somebody was standing there that wouldn't be standing there if they hadn't taken my class and employed the different techniques that I taught them. But um so started working at Remax after that. Uh Dave Linegar became my mentor. So I was, mm-hmm. you know, blessed to have met Not him. A bad mentor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, if you're gonna pick somebody in the industry to be your mentor, it might as well be that guy. So um he yeah. he became my mentor. I started at Remax. I, I started as a business consultant working directly with brokerages and agents and worked my way up in the business, uh, took over different territories, took over franchising, uh, marketing, HR, IT, uh, got into the um, the C-suite. And the board of directors looked at me eventually because we we're a public company and said, hey, um, you're a college mm-hmm. dropout. You don't have a college degree and we're a public company. I said, Okay. And Dave goes, yeah, I don't have a college degree either. And, and they said, yeah, but you started the company. So you get an exception on that one. So I went and I got my MBA, uh, from university of Denver, Daniel's no college kidding. of business. So that's actually a strange thing. I'm, I'm a professor there now. I, I teach that same course. So, um, I, I went and did that and, uh, got into the C-suite chief operating officer, co-CEO and CEO of Remax. And, uh, About 20 months ago, I left REMAX. I retired from there on my terms to go partner with Dave to buy some businesses and and continue to uh, work with different entrepreneurs around the world in in real estate as well as other franchising-type
1: environments. So that's where I'm at today. It's amazing. So how did that transition work for you in the franchise because Remax is a franchise model so there's a lot of skill set that you had in the franchising envelope right what excites you about the franchise opportunities now because I know there's an opportunity there and and what's that look like from a 30,000 foot elevation view
0: so right now, the franchise companies that we're working with are, are all food-related. So we've got a couple of sandwich companies. Um, one's called Port of Subs. It's 135, 140 units in seven Western states. We're actually taking that nationwide right now. And then the other one is Daddy's Chicken Shack, which is a fried chicken sandwich concept. And we have about 13 territories that are being developed around the U.S. right now. And it's uh, growing pretty well as well. And, uh, it was interesting cause I never thought I'd get into food. I didn't know anything about restaurants. I, I, was,
1: I was like, what's the transition there? Are you a cook? You love it? Or is it more no, of I, business, opportunity? you know, light bulb?
0: Well, the, a third of franchising. So there are 800,000 franchises in the U S 800,000 franchise units, franchise locations in the country okay. and 30%, roughly 32% of them are food related. So when you think about that, um, you know, if you throw a dart at the dartboard, you're going to hit a food franchise when you're talking about right. franchising. So we got into that knowing franchising, and franchising is a very specific model. It's not an industry. It's a it's a business format, and that um, we knew very well. I mean, I, I'm a, on the board of the uh, International Franchise Association, and I speak franchising. I mean, it's franchise disclosure documents. It's understanding same store sales and, you know, you get down into small business aspects of it and it's what realtors are dealing with every day and running their own small business. That's what we do in franchising is we help people grow those things. doesn't matter what industry you're in. It could be haircutting or making sandwiches or selling real estate. There's a foundation to how to run a business and how to make that profitable every day. And that's, you know, obviously what you coach is getting people to that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, but Ultimately, it comes down to understanding how business models work. Mm. I love that.
1: What do you think's the greatest opportunity in the franchising world right now? I mean, obviously, the food side of it is 30% of the business. That's, you know, 240,000 plus units or whatever the number is. I think that there's... Uh, COVID's changed a lot of things, in my opinion. COVID's changed oh, yeah. a lot of belief systems, a lot of uh, what they thought was normal. You know, we... Even in the real estate space, we went away from the offices, which you know led led to uh, almost a, a evolution of the industry. And then now we're going back to that. We're going back to basics in in many regards. I think franchising for me is a leverage opportunity. That's that's the way I see it. Is that is that really your take on the the franchise opportunity, or is it scale through territory and growth? What does that look like?
0: Well, the foundation of franchising is having a, a tested business system. So it doesn't matter if that is, you know, being a real estate agent. And being a real estate agent is a tested business system. Yeah. We know how that's done. And we know if you do these things, you get those things. That's how it works. Same thing with running a brokerage. That's why brokerages are so heavily involved in in franchise, mm-hmm. because fundamentally, the the framework of how to run a brokerage is not vastly different from one to another in the franchise space. You know, a brokerage is a lot of times a brokerage is a brokerage, and that's why agents can unplug and then plug into another one so easily is because the framework is is very similar. Yeah. But when you look at franchising and you ask yourself, okay, where are the opportunities in franchising? You know, we have we have asset heavy franchises and we have asset light franchises. Right. You know, asset heavy franchises are more something with brick and mortar. So you've got uh, in person brokerage or in person restaurant or something of that nature, maybe right. hair salon asset light a lot of times are more service oriented and you could see the crossover where real estate could fall under either of those but realistically right. there are a lot that are very asset light and they call it like chuck in a truck type thing you know you might yeah, know
1: like pl- hvac contractor plumbers and exactly construction trades
0: is that yeah yeah exactly 100 randy but you also have other forms of asset light franchises that might be like a massage therapist or home health care mm-hmm. or um you know, somebody does lashes or who knows what it is. But ultimately, what we're finding is um there are really two sectors that are growing massively right now in franchising that are really being pushed hard. And obviously one of them is a the small restaurants. You see those you see small restaurants in a franchise brand popping up all over the place right now, especially yeah. as we're, uh, building mixed use facilities, you know, and where you've got both housing as well as retail and things of that nature and new shopping centers. So when you see those or a remodeled shopping center, a lot of times you see franchise brands pop up and a lot of them have to do with food or self-care. So Mm -hmm. you take a look at those two. Those are both food and self-care are both growing substantially right now And in the Mm self-care space. It's anywhere from, um, you know, diet, drugs and, and different, G- um, you know, G- different N- types T- of assistance,
1: herb, you know, exactly.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, like, um, hormone treatments
1: or oh, IV yeah, yeah, bars, yeah. weight loss. There's just a, a never ending, uh, amount of that, you know, Adam, to me, COVID changed everything. COVID changed the mentality of how we work and, and how we look at our jobs. Also, how we look at our lives. There's a lot of people stepping back from the corporate structure going into being their own boss and their own entrepreneur. And I think we're seeing all these different trends changes. It's just my, you know, perception of this. I think the malls are struggling because of, you know, the retail space is really a challenge space. So all of a sudden you have all these mom and pops and, and entrepreneurs and people that could start having these spaces. And then layering into the franchise opportunity just makes complete sense, right? You find a model that works. I, I just immediately think of Mrs. Fields Cookies and and all these, you know, opportunities that were just – probably born out of a passion for baking, a passion for this, and then being able to scale that when they find a model that works.
0: Yep. 100%. And what what you find is a lot of people will get into those and they'll open one. And basically by opening one, they bought a paycheck. So Mm -hmm. they've, they've replaced their income somehow with a, a heavier investment and they're like how do i get rich doing this you know we all want to know that and and you when you think about it in like even in the real estate space you look at okay you're a real estate agent and you're doing well how do you scale your business well the answer is you build a team typically so you get other people doing the work for you right. so that they're compensated fairly but also you're the one who's taking on the risk because you own the business itself. You own the overall umbrella entity there. So like for Mrs. Fields or you know our sub sandwiches or whatever it might be, you say, okay, what happens if I open another one? And then I open another one. And then I open another one. And what we find in franchising, as well as you find this in real estate also, you know, in franchising, it's, okay, I get another location built and I get the doors open and people are trained and it's at, at a run rate right now. I'm going and starting another one. So they start overlapping these, these growth entities, just like when in real estate, you know, as the market starts to come back, you're gonna you're gonna know what your capacity is for how many buyers and sellers you can work with. And then when you reach that capacity, you know, okay, I need to bring out a team member when I start getting close to that. So I can train them up so they operate the way that I want them to operate, but I'm scaling my revenue in doing so because now they're responsible for going out and filling in that gap. That okay. I, I took a step back to hire somebody. Now I need to get them to leap forward right. in order to create more revenue. And then you you keep engaging in that cycle. And next thing you know, you've got a scaled business that's also probably diversified in the event of any
1: changes in the marketplace. Yeah, and you're moving out of one quadrant into the next when you look into that entrepreneur leverage component of it. Right. That's exactly. Favorite favorite couple words on the planet is leverage and, you know, finding ways to to take your business and scale it. Um, you know, I'm just a personal growth junkie when it comes to books on that. I'm reading uh, how to buy back your time right now. And they talk about that specifically and finding out what your buyback rate is, right? That stuff just completely mm-hmm. intrigues me. If you're making a million dollars a year, you buy back $500 an hour, you know, mathematically, then leveraging anything that doesn't come near that. And all of a sudden, when you even when you talk to agents, who are making a hundred grand a year, and you start doing the math, it's like, well, you know, you're you're still in the fifty dollar an hour range, and you're doing eight and ten and twelve dollar and sometimes even five dollar an hour work now with the advent of VAs and and all the abilities that we have out there. Um, I love that space. The fact that you and Dave Linegar are focusing on franchising—it's just to me, it's just an aha, right? To me, it's like, I I like watching smart people and what smart people are doing. And, and I definitely put you and Dave in that category. And so I'm more intrigued with that than I am thinking that I wanted to have chicken shacks or something. Right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people look at it and they're like, I don't want to get into the food space. I go, how about into the food scale space?
1: That's right.
0: And they go, what does that look like? I said, it's not, you're not buying a store, you're buying a territory. And, you know, if you think about 10 stores, that's where the leverage is. In fact, it's it's interesting, Randy, um, I had somebody from the real estate space who owned multiple franchises come to us and say, hey, you guys are selling territories. I want to buy some of those from you because I know what franchising does. And I know what you guys do in franchising. So like um, it. it's it's actually uh, been catching on quite a bit. And I think 2024 is going to be a great year for um you know regional franchise growth uh so you'll see a lot more single
1: stores popping up but those are probably falling under a regional umbrella i love that i want to transition but before i do how can people get a hold of you in that particular space if they want to just so i don't forget later
0: well we have we have a website here area15ventures.com so area15ventures.com or you can find me on any of the social media networks at adam conto ceo you just type that into the Google bar and, and I'll pop up and,
1: and you'll be able to contact me through any of my social media platforms. I love it. I love it. Well, let's transition a little bit to real estate. You, you and I met a long, long time ago when I was looking at a rematch remax franchise myself. Yep. And uh, I remember that conversation. I wouldn't expect you to at all, but uh, I remember being impacted by you and your passion for it. And, and the way that you were really laying this out to understand the benefits of not only just a, a, REMAX opportunity, but franchise opportunities and growth opportunities. And that's what always was valuable to me. It's on my marriage side, but, um, the co-founder of Carl's Jr.'s is, is my grandfather through marriage. Wow! So Carl Karcher and Phil Smith founded that. If you look at all their hot dog carts around the world, in the pictures of every Carl's Jr.'s on the planet is a picture of them. And, and my aunt is in his arms. And so I my very first job was at Carl's Jr.'s. I got zero special treatment. Matter of fact, I don't think I even knew it at that point. I just knew that I was going that direction as one of my first jobs when I was 16 or something. But from very early age, I've been an entrepreneur. I I just didn't know any better. It doesn't excite me to think about an hourly wage. It just, you know, I'm just not wired that way. And I've said it a lot of times, I'd rather have a hot dog stand. And I'm saying that from Carl's Jr. story now, but this is, you know, I'd rather have a hot dog stand in front of Home Depot that I can make the best hot dog stand, make the best food, and then get it to another Home Depot and get 300 food carts, than work at the post office for 400 grand a year. It's just me, right? It's It's that entrepreneur fire that burns in the belly. And when I look at your career, you've been extremely successful up through the CEO ranks of Remax and you're still teaching. You're still on your social media. You're still teaching. You're still adding value. Does that get out of your blood? Is that just something that is, uh, you know, going to be there until uh, you leave the radio someday or what's that look like?
0: (laughs) That's a great question, Randy. And I mean, this is, I look at you and I'm like, Coach Randy, you know the answer to this, but you want to know my answer. Um, I do. <laughs> you, you know, as as well as I do, leaders learn and learners lead. And Ooh. what what we're doing is we're fulfilling a special part of our heart by continuing to help other people learn what we've learned. Now, leaders are givers. Mm-hmm. And I, love that. I, I got advice mm-hmm. long ago from my mentor, Dave Linegar, when I said, what is the what is my goal in business? What should that look like in order to create great success? He says, you have to help other people. I said, well, how do you do that? He says, you have to be a sponge. I said, so I need to go out and just soak things up. He goes, no, a sponge does more than just soak things up. When you see a sponge work, it soaks things up and then it gives things back. So you need to be out soaking things up so that you can give them back. And you need to intentionally do that every single day. And that's one of the habits of the the very top leaders in this world. And one of the habits of the very top entrepreneurs in this world is they're willing to give without question. So what is giving without question? Unconditionally, that is love. That is love for the people that you serve. We have fear, which is taking in and keeping. And we have Love, which is giving unconditionally. Which I would say lack in abundance as well. Yes. Right? Yes. Bingo. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they all run parallel on those two tracks. There you go. You know, it's it's that, you know, it it's abundance and love, or it's fear and it's it's taking, you know, it, it's minimalistic in and things like that. And it's during these tough times that we get to hold up a mirror and say, all right, where am I at? Because during the tough times, if you default to, I give up, I just want a nine to five job, I'm throwing in the towel, things like that. I don't know that you had that entrepreneur piece in your heart to begin with. You were you're dabbling in it, but are you all in? Because I can tell you one thing about being an entrepreneur and making payroll and you know going out and, and eating what you kill and things of that nature, whatever cliches we want to put on this. Ultimately, you got to be willing to take it during the tough times. And the good times, the tough times are when you figure out your survival skills. The good times are when you figure out your growth skills. So, and and they do have overlap. Like right now, you know, everybody's like, "This is really tough right now." I'm like, "Go out and grow right now, intentionally grow," because then you're focused on growth instead of surviving. And and we have a different a different way of looking at that. So ultimately, it comes down to. How do I give as much value as possible to people Mm. right now as I ever have? And that's, you know, really one of the questions we're facing right now in the real estate space where people are going, oh, okay, what should a buyer's agent make? How should they be paid? And, you know, it's it's on the top of everybody's mind. Am I going to be able to survive as a buyer's agent? You know, we're doing sub 4 million deals at a run rate right now as of like November or something like that. So how are we going to survive with a million and a half people doing four selling 4 million houses? Well, it's time to time to dig deep. Time to get creative, get really aggressive and get really good at your leadership and your influence out there in the marketplace in order to survive this and you only accomplish that by giving unconditionally instead of going and hiding everything you have because you're afraid, you know, how long am I going to make it at this point? It's go out and give and that's when you get Hey, it's Adam again. This podcast went really long, but it was really good. So we made this a two-part episode. We'll catch you next time for part two.